0: Great to see you here this morning. We thank you for coming and being part of our worship. If the cool, crisp air and sunshine did not wake you up when you walked out of your house today, hopefully the worship together has, at least wakened your spirit, ready for what the Lord has in store and in mind for us today. We're we're glad to see you today. We appreciate you coming. Now, uh, I'd love for you to read along with me in Ruth chapter 3, the Old Testament book of Ruth. you got Joshua and Judges. If you find those, right after that will be Ruth. Either find them on your smartphone, if you would, or your Bible, or there's some Bibles that are underneath some of the chairs as well. But i love for you to uh, take a look, and we'll look at that together as we continue our series on uh, It's All About Relationships, Messages from the Book of Ruth. It has been our tradition that during the month of January, we kind of have a book or a portion of a book maybe that we focus on so that we might be able to kind of set the stage uh, that we are people of the book, and this year that we want to continue to do that very thing. So Ruth chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 1 through 11, but we'll kind of be looking at the whole chapter. You might want to keep your Bibles open. You also received, as you came in today, uh, probably insert there in your bulletin, or you grab one on your way out, but it is 100, we did a 100 days of essential Bible reading back in the fall, and we're going to follow that up now with 100 days of Psalms and Proverbs, giving praise and gaining wisdom. And uh, what a great time for us to be able to do that, because we know the Lord has been with us. Whether you've been a part of Parkway, you're a guest today. We know that the Lord has sustained you, and so we want to continue to give praise and also gain wisdom for what the Lord has in store for us. Actually, that begins February the 1st, but make sure you had a couple of Sundays to get a hard copy. You can find one on your website uh, as well. But We enjoy you and and encourage you to be a part of that because we'll be talking some about what we're reading. Some of that will happen in the hallways, some in the classrooms, and uh, some from the pulpit. And uh, whether you you may have your own Bible reading, that'll be fine. You might want to add this, or you may want to take a break from what you're reading, this be a part of it uh, as well. But we encourage you to come be a part of that. This morning, we are in Ruth chapter 3, and uh, we're reading verses 1 through 11. Preparation for that now. This now is the Word of God. Scripture says, then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz a relative with with those young women you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash therefore, anoint yourself, put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor, but do not make yourself known to the man until he's finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies, then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, all that you say I will do. And he said, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first in that you've not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word. Now, I don't know if you can tell it in the reading or not, but love is in the air. Wedding bells are about to chime. We understand there's as we read this scripture today, but I will ask you, because you read what I just read or listened to it anyway, is this something scandalous or even improper that is taking place? Well, we're going to talk about this very thing. This is the third message that we have from the book of Ruth for our purposes here today and we're discovering that there's going to be a wedding that's going to take place and there's going to be a baby to be born in the city of Bethlehem and to be important not only to the ones who are in the story. But as we're going to find out, we continue to find out, they're going to be important to all generations because of another baby that is going to be born in Bethlehem. We've learned from the lessons of Naomi and we've learned from the qualities of Ruth. These two ladies have taught us the importance of good decisions and pleasing the Lord. The surprising part of this little book of Ruth, and it's not a long book. I encourage you to read it. Maybe not right now, the rest of it, but it won't take you a few minutes at another time. But the surprising part is not necessarily what it teaches us about Ruth or Naomi, but what it teaches us about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That He's involved in the actions of the world around us. He's very interested in our relationships and personal life. Jesus is our provider and our sustainer. Now, the book of Ruth reminds us of an Old Testament law called the Law of Kinsman Redeemer. Law of Kinsman Redeemer is found and it's talked about in the book of Leviticus and it's talked about in the book of Deuteronomy. But Ruth, the book of Ruth is the only place that we actually find that it was practiced. Now it may have been common in those days, but the only place in which we haven't talked about here is in the book of Ruth. And if you've ever studied the book of Ruth, you know it's... God's way of providing for widows who have uh, not a husband now and not perhaps children to be able to take care of them and maybe have lost their property because they've become poverty-stricken. So it's a way in which uh, it was law, not, not that it was always practiced, but in which the uh, nearest kinsman would come and would buy the property, would redeem the property and uh, be sure that the property stayed in the family. And so along with it, kind of part of the deal is that the nearest of kin would also marry the widow. And uh, in this case, it works out because Boaz seems to be sweet on Ruth. We know that Boaz was a wealthy landowner and a godly man, been very generous with Ruth, probably because of the deep affection that he shows for Ruth already. And Naomi, Ruth's mother-in-law, plays the part of the matchmaker. Ruth, we read through verse 11 in a moment ago. What did it say? How did it describe Ruth? It, and it's kind of a surprising whether you know it or not, it said that she was a worthy woman. Now, depending on your translation, it could have said she was a woman of noble character, meaning she was a woman of strength, of virtue, and of excellence. And all the people in that small town of Bethlehem knew of her noble character. Now, it's a strange thing because she was a foreigner, from the land of Moab, people who were mostly enemies of the Israelites, and she'd only been in town for a few months, yet she had already made a good name for herself. So we might get a clue here to how to make a good name for yourself, perhaps. How did she do that? Well, we've already been told in chapter 2, that Ruth gives part of the reason is because simply her kindness and loyalty to her mother-in-law, that she had left her land. She'd come to the land of Israel in the town of Bethlehem and that one praise of all. She'd come to take care of Naomi and also to follow Naomi's God. She had not tried to make a reputation for herself, didn't go about trying to impress people. In fact, really, it was just the opposite. She gleaned from the fields uh, like servants did and showed humility, appreciation for the generosity given her. In fact, she came to Bethlehem ready to live a life of poverty and meager survival with her mother-in-law, Naomi, But God had a purpose and a plan whereby He would not forsake her. He would provide for her and use her and a future family for a greater purpose. So let's make sure we understand where we're going because we've got a direction over these next few minutes and that is to know that God has a greater purpose regardless of our circumstance, regardless of our situation or what we we think the future might bring. We know that God is at work and He always has a plan. Uh, Now, even if we didn't know this story, And what happens over a thousand years after Ruth and Boaz live, that there'll be a Savior born for this same family, there are some good lessons to be learned here. But we know, once again, it's a story bigger than the four chapters of Ruth. In the language of moviegoers, it's a prequel to the main event. It's a prequel to the birth of the Savior, Redeemer of the world. In the first chapter of Ruth, maybe just a little bit in review, is that we learn about the beginning of a love story and how much God loves us He's going to be with us regardless of the situation. In chapter 2, we gleaned in the fields of Bethlehem and discovered we can trust God to provide for all of our relationships and physical and spiritual needs. Well, it may be a story that you feel like you're very familiar with, but I'd like for you to learn something perhaps new from the story. The story of Ruth continues to teach us how much God loves us and that we can trust in Him. In New Testament terms, what does trusting Jesus look like and what difference does it make? Now, when we study the Old Testament, we always want to understand the original meaning of the story. In other words, the ones who first heard the story, the ones who first read it so long ago, what was it that they understood it to mean? And as we do that, though, we also want to be able to understand it in light of what the New Testament teaches us about Jesus, about the cross, and the resurrection and so that we might be able to understand that every story points to the good news of the gospel and the good news of Jesus. For instance, the first ones who read this story, the Jewish people who read this story, the story that knew Deuteronomy and Levit- Leviticus, we read just a moment ago, where Ruth says to Boaz, "You are a redeemer," and so she's asking to take for him to take care of her. And so, those who first read the story, they had to be thinking about the law of the kinsman redeemer in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. But those of us who are New Testament believers, if we've read any of the New Testament, know when we hear Ruth say, you are a redeemer, we think not just about a redeemer, but we think about the one who is the redeemer. And so knowing that we think about those things, we're going we're to make much out of this chapter 3 in the process of preparation of Ruth whose trust in God made a difference in her relationships and in the generations to come. So you've got some notes there. They're going to be on the screen as well. So he'll be talking about your life can make a difference and how the process that we see in Ruth, because we don't want to lose that and what's happening to Ruth, so that in light of what we know about the New Testament, then what, how can we make a difference? And how the Lord's making a difference in our life and to be able to make a difference in others and in our relationships. Well, first of all, it is by seeking. It is by seeking daily the face of Jesus. Well, you, you may or may not know, as a lot of people in Auburn, we lived in Auburn 20-30 uh, years ago and uh, served on staff at this very church. And about 28 years ago uh, we moved from Auburn to go about 25 miles west to the city of Tallassee where we uh, where I pastored a church and uh, had a wonderful ministry, Lord Blessed in the same way in which I believe the Lord is blessing here. And uh, When we we lived in Tallahassee, some of you have gone down Highway 14, and you know, kind of separating the river there, and there's there's Thurlow Dam uh, that is there. There's a bridge that goes over Thurlow Dam, and we drove over that bridge uh, about every, it's about a mile from where we live, we drove over it every day, sometimes several times a day. And there are about 20 gates on that dam, and whenever the water would rise, sometimes the Some of the gates would fall if it—I mean, not all that often. If there's a heavy rain, sometimes maybe about 20 gates, maybe about half of them, about 10 would fall. In almost the 10 years that we lived there, I mean, if it rained heavy, maybe all gates but two or three would fall. But none of the gates hardly ever fell. In fact, I jokingly said to my wife one day as we crossed the bridge, I said, "I believe if every one of the gates fall on that dam, I, I believe that'll be time for me to move and go somewhere else." and uh, well a few years passed and got a call from a church that asked if I'd be interested in pastoring that church and because they called I began to pray about that and just a, two or three days after that call there was a heavy rain every gate fell so I didn't have to pray about it no I did pray about it in fact it reminded me that I needed to seek the face of, the G, of Jesus even more to know whether that I needed to go or not so uh, well Few weeks, a couple of months passed, and believe it, all the gates had not fallen in ten years. But a few weeks after that, I went and preached at that church for the very first time. And on that very week, guess what happened? More rain, and all the gates fell. I said, "Lord, I heard you the first time." And uh, no, I didn't really say that, but uh, but but it did remind me that we need to always seek the face of the Lord. If you're looking for a sign. I want you to be careful because often asking for a specific sign is more often a sign of lack of faith rather than having faith. So we know that we need to seek the Lord. We need to seek His, His face. We need to diligently uh, seek God through prayer and Scripture. Uh, did we show the picture of the dam? Let's show the picture of the dam. There it was to where uh, without the water falling. And I think this may be one to where all the gates had fallen. Before you move that picture, something else about this before we leave this picture. And that is that uh, when all the gates fell, and you've been down that two-lane bridge, I guess, perhaps, or not, take a ride sometime, but the, the bridge would be crowded with people watching what they had not seen before. They'd be taking pictures, some of you from there, you know that. And and so you'd go by and they'd take their. In fact, even the news people from Montgomery came and were doing pictures and, you know, had cameras up and they were about, all the gates had fallen at Thurlow Down. I just rolled down the window and yelled at the news people, it's a sign from God. No, I didn't really uh, do that. But because they didn't know when this might happen again. I want you to pay attention today. I mean now, because... There's no telling when it's going to happen again because I believe the Lord wants to give you something new today or something fresh or something that He wants to remind you of today that you'll be able to take with you to help you in your walk with the Lord Jesus because we know that He wants to show you something today and who knows, it may or may not come again. Chapter 3 opens with Naomi telling Ruth she can only do so much for her. And she wants to have a much better life and a brighter future, does not want to to live in poverty as a widow her whole life. And she tells her, Boaz, a relative, can provide a better life and the time has come. It's the end of the barley harvest. And at the end of the barley harvest, the men and the women and the families, they go out on the threshing floor and it'd be kind of like a, festive kind of atmosphere. In fact they'd go, they'd camp out at night and work one day until work days until they would get everything through and they would all camp out and the men would sleep on the threshing floor and to watch the grain that had already uh, been harvested. Well Naomi knew where Boaz could be found. And it seemed like the perfect opportunity so she was sending Ruth to propose marriage in a traditional Jewish way. Now we know that Boaz is not Jesus. But throughout the Old Testament and the Scripture here, we see Jesus and some of the characters of the Bible. Pictures of Jesus. Such as in Noah, we see a picture of grace and righteousness. Such as in Moses, Jesus as the sacrifice who provides freedom from slavery of sin. In Joseph in the Old Testament, we see the pictures of forgiveness. In Joshua, we see the victory that we have in the Lord. In David, we see Jesus also as the King of Kings and as the Anointed One. In Boaz... We talk about that today and we're talking about that this month. We see the picture of redemption for all people. So I encourage you when you read the Bible, particularly when you read the Old Testament, just not what does it say, but what does it say about Jesus? And like Jesus Boaz had in the previous chapter made the first move and he had initiated contact with Ruth. Well, Jesus has initiated... And he's made the first move in order that we might be able to have a relationship with him when he broke through history, when we were yet foreigners. And he's provided a way for salvation so that we might not live spiritual poverty, but know Jesus, the one who provides for a better life and for eternity. Isaiah chapter 55 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. We find in uh, Psalm 119 verse 2, says, Blessed are those who seek him with all of their hearts. While we're to seek Jesus while He may be found, I'm telling you, because you're here today, today is a day in which He may be found. You may be watching live stream. Today is a day in which He may be found. So we encourage you to begin that relationship with Him now or to grow in your relationship, pursue that relationship with Him. Last week, I invited you to come along with Ruth and glean in the fields of Bethlehem. In chapter 2, she comes along with a servant girl. She picks up all that is left behind. By the time we get to chapter 4, she's married to the owner of the fields. I want, I want to encourage you not to be satisfied with the leftovers. Don't be satisfied with what I or somebody else might could spoon feed you about God's Word, about, about who Jesus is. But I want to encourage you even this week to be sure to spend... Time alone with your Savior, Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and time alone in His Word and seek Him personally. There's there's no better time than now to seek Jesus and pursue a closer walk with Him. There's no time better than now to seek Jesus and pursue a closer walk with Him. Uh, We're talking about those things that can make a difference or how you might be able to make a difference. We've talked about seeking, but also there's a cleansing that takes place. We're following along with what... Uh, the process of the preparation that happened with Ruth we, we need to first be clean and repent. Naomi told ruth first go first go wash yourself. Do you know that Americans use about four hundred and fifty billions gallons of water a day that 's beat billion gallons of that 's enough water to uh, Cover any large city in America by over 96 feet. So we seem to have plenty of water. But in the land of Palestine, not always, it wasn't, not, sometimes it was scarce to wash, as Naomi told Ruth, it would be for a particular occasion and for a particular time, something special, often preparation for a bride to meet the bridegroom. And that, that, that's exactly what's happening here. Now, the church is often compared in the New Testament. As a bride that is to be ready and prepared and cleansed for the bridegroom who is Jesus. In fact, Ephesians chapter 5 tells us, Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by washing with the water through the Word. In Isaiah chapter 1, the Lord gives us the responsibility of coming clean with our sins. Wash yourselves and make yourself clean. Put away all the evil of your doings from before my eyes. We're to come clean with sin. We're to come to Christ for salvation when we do come to Christ for salvation, we ask for forgiveness uh, through repentance. But even as Christians, we continue to confess and daily confess our sins. In fact, uh, John, who's also the gospel writer, the writer of 1 John 1.9, I believe he was talking to believers when he said if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. A brighter future begins today with making sure we've come clean with God. Perhaps one reason... Americans use 450 billion gallons of water a day is because they're certainly trying to come clean. They're trying to wash away all the filth and the dirt, and not all of it's physical dirt. But no amount of water or physical cleansing will do. I I was asked by a church member, and some of you know hymns and maybe even other songs, have said, Do I like, how did I like the blood songs? I said, The what? I said, how do you like the blood songs? He said, you know, like, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the, anybody feel that in? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. We just, we just celebrated Christmas. Hard to believe we're doing this 100 days going to begin on February the 1st. It's already getting time preparation for that. Pretty soon to be Easter time. But, you know, we have a hard time celebrating as we should. We have a hard time coming and pursuing Jesus like we should unless we have come clean with him, unless uh, we have come face to face not only with wanting to come clean, but come face to face with the bloody picture and the messiness of the cross. A blood sacrifice was always required in the covenants of the Old Testament. And we know that blood was required for the cleansing of sin. And it's because of the blood of Jesus. It's only because of the blood of Jesus that we can be made righteous, that you can approach the throne of grace. It is because of the blood of Jesus that you can be made clean and only through Jesus. And you can be made righteous. If, if today you want to be a person whose life and love makes a difference in your relationship, you will first be responsible for your own sins. Uh, speaking of relationships, we're talking about those things. We know the difference if we, we have a relationship with the divine. And if we do, if we're seeking that, it will help us in our relationship with others. But one thing that will help us in our relationship with others is to understand that we cannot make decisions for others. Whether it comes to our spouse or our children or our parents or those close to us, we often want to make decisions for other people. But truly, we're only responsible for ourselves, and we can only make decisions for ourselves, and we need to be sure that we are coming clean. A life that makes a difference also is one that is anointing or filling. filling. Uh, while washing takes something off, the anointing and the filling is that which puts something on or puts something in. It is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. After washing, Naomi told Ruth to anoint herself with perfume. Now, people in that culture were anointed with perfume also as preparation for something special. You might remember that Jesus was anointed with an expensive jar of ointment or perfume before He was arrested and crucified. And for Christians to be filled... It is a representing of being filled with the Holy Spirit that helps us to be prepared. You remember John 14, Jesus told His disciples that He's going to leave them, but another would come, the Holy Spirit, who would be their comforter and guide. Jesus said in John 14, He will remind you of all the things that I've taught you. Now, we need to understand there's a difference between the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit. The anointing of the Holy Spirit happens to everyone who has Ask Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Savior and repented of sin. In other words, if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus, you know that you have the Holy Spirit at that moment. The moment that you become a follower of Jesus and the family of God, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. Sometimes called the Spirit of Jesus. To be filled with the Spirit means to be recognizing and submitting to the leadership of the Holy Spirit in your life. Now sometimes we talk about the filling of the Spirit as if it is all about emotion. And sometimes there can be emotion. Sometimes it is significant, the spirit or the emotion that we feel when we find ourselves submitting to the Lord Jesus. But you want to be careful here because you want to—you don't... Emotion should be the result of the submission and not the catalyst. Otherwise, it will be short-lived. Stop searching for that next emotional high, whether it be from one worship service to the next, or if I didn't get it to this church, I'm going to try it at the next church, I'm going to find the next emotional high. Instead, simply submit to the holy Spirit who is living in you if you are a follower of Jesus and in your daily decisions that you make well what do you consider when you make decisions you go, well how do I feel about it sometimes you might consider your family probably should maybe you consider your work or school or consider your uh, or others and how it's going to affect others but God has given us one who lives in us who is our guide, who is not to be ignored. So sometimes we can ignore, the Bible says we quench the Spirit, but instead the opposite of that is not just following as the Holy Spirit leads, but it's pursuing the Spirit. It is uh, being filled with the Spirit, pursuing that which the Lord would have for you. As a... uh, as a young gentleman wanting to impress the ladies, I would sometimes slap on the uh, Brute cologne. Do they still sell Brute in these days? Now, uh, understand this was even before shaving was part of the process, kind of thing. But uh, but I would a couple of handfuls of Brute on the face, and sometime during the day, somebody would say, "Is that you?" Or, what's that smell? Listen, perfume was anointed as a preparation, but also for the same reason in which we use it in our culture today. Hopefully, to make you nicer to be near. So other people can stand us. Perfume is likened to the Holy Spirit in that it gives us the aroma of Jesus, the fragrance of Christ. So you're following along in your notes. Submitting to the Holy Spirit will not go unnoticed. Being like Jesus, following the fragrance of Christ and submitting to the Holy Spirit makes us nicer to be near it's what happens now when we come into the family of God we're anointed we have the Holy Spirit living in us and filling of the Spirit is submitting to the Holy Spirit so that other people might be able to notice so other people might be able to notice that we're pointing to Jesus as well but also as we follow this what difference does it make or how can we make a difference? Clothing has something to do with it. And I know it's usually a noun, but I sure want to use it as an action verb, a verb, or a participle. Somebody tell me, help me out with this. But it has to do with putting on Christ. Putting on Christ. Do you know that Alabama is the most Christian state in the United States? There are more people in the state of Alabama who profess to be Christians per capita than any other state in the union. I don't know. Maybe that's where we get our southern charm or southern hospitality. Or actually, I'm thinking the other way probably. If that is really true, how come it is we're not a lot nicer? We probably should be a lot nicer. I would guess on Easter Sunday, probably we have more people that attend church, maybe per capita, percentage-wise, than maybe any other state. Certainly a lot of states a lot more people, but maybe percentage-wise... Maybe and when we still go to church it's on Easter Sunday, it's still part of our tradition. That a lot of people buy some new clothes. Speaking of clothing or maybe uh, wear their very best, hopefully representing that they want to give their best to God of the new life that we have in Christ. Ruth probably still were wearing clothes of mourning. So it's significant here instead of go and put on that new cloak. Put a, She wasn't just saying, now, dress real nice. What... Naomi was telling us it's time to take off the clothes of mourning and to put on something new. Because as long as she's wearing the clothes of mourning, Boaz's pursuit would be limited. Clothing in the Bible does have a lot of significance. The priest would wear clothes before they, you know, certain garments before they went into the, uh, to be in, uh, with God in the temple. Uh, uh, Salvation's picture is putting on new clothes. New Testament often talked about Christians taking off the old and putting on the new. Paul talked about, particularly about taking off the grave clothes because all of us are destined and dead in Christ and then instead put on the clothes of grace, he said. So we might picture that. We talk about putting on Jesus. It's moving from the grave to grace. And there's no reason to wear clothes of mourning any longer for Jesus has made us brand new. Revelation tells us of the white robes that we will put on symbolizing the righteousness of believers. And... The changing of clothes represents to leave the old lifestyle behind and put on what will please God. Now, what does putting on Christ look like? And We know it's not putting something physical on. We know that we're putting on Christ, but when we put on Christ, it might make a difference in some areas. It might actually mean that some people need to wear more appropriate clothing. It may be removing the unhealthy words coming from our mouth and being sure that the words are coming out are. Edifying, moving from being a discouragement to being an encouragement. It may mean replacing some of the trash and the filth from TV or Internet or movies and replacing it with a true standard that makes you different. Maybe it's a little less Facebook, a little more holy book. And it always remains replacing honoring self with honoring God and loving others. Believers who want to make a difference will be seeking, washing, anointing, clothing, and learning. Learning learning to be obedient. As believers in the Lord Jesus, we're always going to be teachable. We'll never stop learning. Naomi told Ruth all that she needed to do. She told her after Boaz had finished eating and drinking, lay down by the grain, not because he was drunk, but he was there to protect the grain overnight. She was to lay at his feet and uncover his feet. Boy, doesn't that sound odd? But there's nothing illicit, nothing improper that is taking place, but perhaps a traditional way request for Boaz to be her kinsman redeemer verse 5 Ruth says and it's a good verse to memorize and speaking of following the Lord Jesus she says though to Naomi I will do whatever you say if we're to participate in what God has in store we'll do all that he asks and all that he requires several years ago I had a special pass to get into the White House in Washington D.C. for a special tour it was a special pass for special people, and I'm sure that I was as special as all the thousands of people who were also taking the same tour that day. But as we came in, we had certain restrictions. We had to stay with our guide. We couldn't go across the ropes. We had to uh, couldn't deviate from the plan. I think there was even places you had to uh, get, deposit your chewing gum to you to go forward. In short, we had to follow the rules, or we didn't get the whole tour. In in order to experience everything that God has planned, you will want to be obedient. you want to remain faithful. We must seek to submit to God's guiding on this tour. Would you like to see God's tour? Would you like to realize you, you've got a pass in Jesus to be able to see all that the Lord has to offer? Now, if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus, if you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, we know that heaven is secure, but there's this in-between time where the Lord has things that He wants to show you. In order to be able to do that, we must seek to submit to God's guiding on this tour. Learn to be obedient is a must. 2 John verse 6, only one chapter, 2 John says, And this is love that we walk in obedience to His commands. Well, there's one other I think that we see here that has to do, if you want to make a difference, and it has to do with blessings. Blessing. Ruth did all that Naomi had said. Boaz awakes and finds Ruth at his feet, and he... She asked, she said, will you cover me with your wings? Which means more than with the blanket. had to do, even this talked about in Ruth chapter 2, about being covered as a hen covers a chick. And so here he symbolically laid his blanket over her, agreeing to be her redeemer, a redeemer for her. But he's also declaring his love. Now we read through verse 11 just a moment ago. Let's pick up at verse 14. Verses 12 and 13 He tells her, said, there's another one who's also a redeemer, who is a closer kin. And we'll talk more about that next week. But verse 14 through 17. So she lay at his feet until morning, but arose before one could recognize another. And he said, let it be known that the woman came... Let not not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, bring the garments you're wearing and hold it out. So she held it out and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, how did you fare, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, These six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said to me, You must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. You see what's taking place. He gave her lots of barley, 20, 30 pounds maybe of barley for that's already been threshed for her to take back to her mother-in-law. And This gift symbolized more that he wanted to give her. It was a portion of what was to come. And the blessing that she received was not just for hers alone, but it was to share. That which you've received today, even being part of this worship service, that's what you've received if you've opened your heart today or even before is just a portion of what the Lord wants you to be able to be blessed with today, and it is to be shared. Ruth is a particularly good example for us because she's been through a tragedy. She was a foreigner, and now she's lost her husband and we understand this book reminds us that there are brighter days ahead for those who have put their faith in Jesus and as Ruth came to the feet of Boaz all who come to the feet of Jesus can expect a blessing it may not be physical it may not be financial the true blessing is taking part in God's plan and being a blessing to others the true blessing taking part in God's plan and being a blessing to others. I'm telling you today, because you've come into this place, God doesn't want you to leave empty-handed. Open your heart today, He'll fill it with all the good and godly things He wants you to experience so that your life can make a difference. And you can make a difference in relationships. For those who truly know the love of God and believe in Jesus, that life leads to change. It leads to action. While these action words, as we've talked about them today, they or for believers, for those who know Christ. But I want you to take. You, if you've got your notes in front of you, because I want you to see, or maybe someone listening today, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or maybe you're not sure today that you have a home in heaven, that Jesus is in your heart, I want you to be able to see these same words, because you need to seek Jesus, for He's waiting for you. You need to come clean with Him and ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. And when you ask Jesus to come in, He'll anoint you with the Holy Spirit, You can take off the old clothes of sin and put on new life. Learn to be a disciple of Jesus and enjoy all the blessings that He has in store for you. And whatever blessings that He has given you today, whatever you've experienced in your life or whatever you experience because you accept Jesus Christ today, it's just a portion of all that the Lord wants to give you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for the opportunity to come and be in Your house today. We thank You, Father, for... Uh, opportunity to be able to be a part of singing praise, lifting prayers, reading and proclamation of your word. We know that even now, Father, as we open our hearts, and That, Father, that we can listen to you, listen to the, our guide who is the Holy Spirit. <coughs> and we pray, Father, even now that you might be at work so that we might understand and be a part of the process of being a loving, growing believer in the Lord Jesus so that you might be able to influence our life and so that we might be able to influence those who are in our lives or those who we come in contact with that we might not even know yet. We thank you for being at work. We pray, Father, that there's one here today that does not know you as Lord and Savior. In this room or listening today, may this be the day in which they recognize and understand that all who call upon the Lord, we'll be saved. May someone call upon you today. It's in the precious name of the Lord Jesus we pray. Amen.